It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today about decisions. Thank you, Gabby. This is Evelyn Davidson. We want to thank you for joining us here at Love Talk here at 101.1 FM and 11.20 AM and radio station KTXW, The Bridge. Central Texas Christian Talk, and we're celebrating joy and hope with my one of my favorite friends in building bridges of love and leadership, Miss Carrie. Well, hello, Miss Evelyn. Great to see you today. And we are live streaming on thebridgeaustin.com, or you can enjoy programs uh, in our archives, which are at Love Talk network and i tell you what what a what an amazing amazing time we are in miss evelyn we are love talking about defining decisions Mm -hmm. what a great series this has been and you can find those archives friends on love talk network and uh, you don't want to miss any of the shows in this series because they have been fantastic we uh, not only are we in studio, Miss Evelyn? But we have our beautiful friend, Kathy Enderbrock, on the oh. line from Boise, Idaho. Hey, Kath. Hey, good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Miss Evelyn. It's so good to be with you guys. And, you know, we watched uh, the Democrat debates this week. And, it, you know, being in the middle of this, of this series on decisions, it reminds me how many people are trying to influence my decisions How many people are trying to convince me what the right decision is? And so this series for me is happening at exactly the right time, right when I need it, because we make so many decisions every day. And some are so important. Others, you know, maybe what color socks you're going to wear, maybe not so important. But we need to be thinking about our decisions, how to make them, um, how they make us, what influences our decisions. And so I love that we've been looking at these prestigious predecessors of our faith and looking at all the decisions that they've been making, that they have made, and see what we can learn for the decisions that we need to make. And so, friends, if you um, are just stepping into this series, let me share with you. We have looked at the decisions of Joshua, Paul, Moses, Aaron, Mm -hmm. Ruth, and Naomi, Uh, Last week, famous queens of the Bible, and today we're going to be looking at the decisions of key historical figures that we meet in the book of Esther in the Old Testament, and we're going to discuss some of the really unique decisions that, that these individuals had to make, and I'm just learning so much, and I know you will too, because there are so many so many things that influence our decisions. We really need to be mindful about some of the really important decisions that are in front of us, not only for this week and this month, but for this coming year in 2020. And also in the truthfulness of the decisions we make, Kathy, sometimes we get kind of carried away and we make, we try to make a bushel out of a pint. I'm <laughs> 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 used to say. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, our scripture today is from Esther, Esther 4.11. And it says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and de- deliverance will arise from another place. Isn't that strange? But you and your family will perish And who knows but that you have come to your position by such a time as this. God put her there for us and for her her generation to stand on truth. And I think that's probably one of the greatest needs we have in America today is to stand on truth. 
Absolutely. And and that scripture is from Esther 4.14. Esther 4.14. For such a time as this, you know, Kathy, you mentioned the Democratic debate uh, from earlier this week. It was uh, it was very entertaining. I will have to say that much about it. Um, they engaging. Were engaging. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, lots of uh, kind of arguing back and forth um, and arguing points and trying to get points across in, you know, it's kind of in direct contrast to what, how we're going to see Esther and how she handled things when she had big decisions to make. Well, Miss Evelyn, what has been going on in your week? Well, just getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that this week as teenagers. It seemed like we were always getting, getting, not getting. Getting uh-huh. ready for something mm-hmm. special. And I feel like that's the way that we are at this particular time. Uh, we're working really hard on the Governor's Prayer Breakfast and some of the other events. We've had uh, something come up at Camp Mabry with new leadership. We normally feed all of Camp Mabry who want to come to lunch uh, that week. And uh, we do it on Wednesday. And they got a new general, and he didn't like it for Wednesday. So we're going to do it on Tuesday. So we'd ask you to now mark your calendar for that first Tuesday uh, in May. Uh, and, of course, the biggest thing that's taken most of my time these days is finishing up our new book. And it's Love Talking and Love Walking with Jesus. And we made pictures over the weekend with Van and the grandkids and uh, with him holding up two apples and telling them with his Bible in front of him, uh, you are the at- you are the apple of God's eye. And so, you know, we, for old folks, we're looking pretty good and uh, looking forward to a birthday pretty soon and all that will be involved in that. And especially when great-grandchildren, can you believe it? But we're happy. And uh, what about you, Carrie? Well, I tell you what, we finished up basketball season, which, oh. uh, you know... I never like to finish up basketball season, um, but we had a great year, um, both my son's team and my daughter's team. Um, we both lost in the first round of the playoffs, uh, and turns out the team that we lost to is uh, playing in the state championship game today. Uh, so that's kind of a bummer because, man, we played them tight, we played them so tight. So at least we know for next year what to expect. We're in this new <laughs> league, and... It's been a lot of fun. I tell you something else fun that happened this past week is I got to see Kathy's daughter. Um, oh, I was yes, at a did. baby shower in Georgetown, and I look over and there's a sweet college student, Aaliyah Indebrock, and she had driven down uh, about an hour to come down to a baby shower for one of her friends, oh. and I just thought that was so sweet. And so I immediately I was like, Aaliyah, let's take a selfie and let's send it to your mom and make her jealous. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's what we did. Uh-oh. I know it was, she was so precious. Um, but what a what a sweet treat that was to get to see her and catch up with her, and um, and she just made that effort to come and and. And just celebrate her friend. And I just thought that was just so amazing. Were you surprised, Kathy, when I sent you that uh, that that picture? I was. Mission <laughs> accomplished. I was so jealous. I'm like, oh, because I have been missing her so much recently. And uh-huh. I just cannot wait to see her. I'm going to be flying down in about a week. And I'm so looking forward to getting to see her. I chatted with her yesterday because she has a, 
uh, really big uh, chemistry test coming Ooh. up, and her her lit teacher had been giving her tons of reading homework, and they're reading Plato's Republic, which is not an easy read. And so she's has been has been so backlogged with her reading homework. She was struggling to find time to study for her chemistry exam, and so she was a little bit anxious. And so a little sister and I called her with a couple fun stories and that had happened during the week um, with their different friends at school. And and we spent about fifteen minutes on the phone with her, just trying to to cheer her mm. up and lighten her mood and help her get a positive outlook. Because, you know, I find sometimes when you're anxious and you're studying, your mind just doesn't really work as effectively. Mm -hmm. But when you have a positive outlook and when you've laughed a little bit, your brain's more ready to wrap itself around something like a big hug, you know. And so I had a, a fun time chatting with her. But, yeah, it was it was awesome, though, Carrie. Thank you so much for um, giving her a hug and taking a selfie with her because she was surprised. She goes, Mom, so many people there didn't even recognize me. <laughs> and, really? You know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, she forgets that. And I forget that it has been over five years since some of those people have really seen her because we've been up here in Idaho and she has just changed so much. So mm -hmm. anyway, but yeah, she, she loves seeing you there. And, uh, I don't know. It's 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 an exciting time, friends. You know, kids in college, all of this happening. It is early voting time in Austin, Texas. Yes. And so, like, right now, we're right in the middle of it. Election day is March the 3rd. And, you know, there's uh, some this gal running for the Texas um, Education State Board of Education. And, you know, we've been seeing, especially with what's been happening in Austin, that that state board of education, those 15 board members are so very important. We need to get some conservatives on there. I tell you, some of the things that they've been doing with sex education are really, really concerning following mm -hmm. in the footsteps of California. So we really need people to get out and vote um, either during early voting or on Election Day. And uh, if you need a little bit of help with with who 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 has what voting history or who tends to vote in what direction or how um, conservative or liberal someone is, I, you can call on the love line and Miss Evelyn will direct you to me. I'm mm -hmm. always happy to share just who I would vote for. You know, obviously I could never tell anyone uh, who to vote for, but I can always discuss who I would vote for and what my reasons are behind that. But um, it's an exciting time. Our voice to vote is really important. And just like Esther, we've been placed right where we are for we've, such a time as this. Uh, we might give them our friend uh, Jonathan at, uh, uh, at, at his um, organization uh, who they come on on Saturday. Jonathan Sign. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I miss. I dropped the last name. Um, if you. He, it is amazing what that organization is doing. Uh, and so just uh, pull him up, and uh, we, we should have their phone number for you shortly, and we want to give you that. And even their uh, website, if you are confused about how to ver vote in, in Texas, if you're a newcomer, call them, and they will help you understand. It is an amazing thing what this young man has done. And as I said, he has a program here uh, I think on Saturday. Is that right, Gavin? Mm -hmm. Okay. Saturday at noon. Mm -hmm. Texas Values. Yes, Texas yes. Values. Mm -hmm. 
Texas Values, and he has a Facebook page, and, and he's fantastic. And so that's a great resource, Miss Evelyn. Thank you so much for mentioning that because, wow, we definitely have a lot going on in 2020. Well, Kathy, I tell you what, you know, we've been in this series on decisions. And last week, uh, what a fantastic program. We talked about the four queens and this in the Old Testament. And this week, we get to finish up that fourth queen, Queen Esther. Friends, when we return to Love Talk, we're going to have Kathy take us through just the beginning of this beautiful story in the Old Testament. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab your Bible app so you can follow along. The book of Esther is fantastic. When we return to Love Talk, we'll get right into this. Defining Decisions with Queen Esther right here on Love Talk. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You have found the Love Ladies, and this is Love Talk. Of course, we have the First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison, who has who had a vision for this show 35 years mm-hmm. ago. And I tell you what, uh, every week she tells us how she never would have dreamed that it would have ended up like this. Uh, what what ha- man? You have just been so blessed, Miss Evelyn, and thank you for allowing me, Coach Carrie Brinkater, to be here. Every Every week with you. And on the line, we have our friend Kathy Enderbrock, who's put together a phenomenal program for us today, Defining Decisions. Kathy, last week we talked about the four queens in the Old Testament. And uh, we just briefly touched on Queen Esther, who has her own book in the Bible in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. because she's so important in the decisions that she made and how she made them really changed the course of history. Uh, so, Kathy, Oh, man, talk to us here about King Xerxes and his queen, Esther. Well, you know, I mean, here's a really good indication that what is happening in Esther is really important and that we can maybe look to mm-hmm. Esther to learn a lot of things because out of 66 books in the Bible, for them to name a Bible about a particular character, it's like God putting a spotlight on this person and saying, look at this servant, look at this um, woman, see what she has to share. So now when we're starting off today, because, you know, last week we talked about the four queens in the Old Testament. I'm going to start off for all of our guy listeners out there. I'm going to start off with the king. We're going (laughs) to we're going to start off with King Xerxes just to kind of say, hey, guys, we're thinking about you. And we realize that uh, while you, you can learn a lot just from looking at the women in the Bible, just like we as women can learn a lot from looking at men in the Bible, you know, sometimes the guys need a little bit of testosterone thrown out there for them as well. So, so guys, this is for you. And ladies, listen up. I'm going to tell you a little bit about King Xerxes. So just to uh, set us in in the proper line here, we're going to step into this story in Esther at about 486 B.C. So this is about 450 years after King Solomon. So Israel has been overthrown. The the people of Israel have been absolutely scattered. Uh, King Xerxes, also known as King Ahasuerus, is reigning. And he is reigning over the Medo-Persian Empire. It is a huge empire. And they call him King Ahasuerus uh, because that is a, a similar title of like, a, think of an Egyptian title of Pharaoh. So it's King Xerxes the first. But when you read through the book of Esther, you'll you will also see him referred to as Ahasuerus. And so he's crowned king when he was only 36 years old. 
Uh, guys, can you imagine being crowned king, 36 years old, over an entire Persian empire? He ascended to the position peacefully, uh, which is, I think, very interesting, from his father without any infighting. He ruled at the height of the Medo-Persian Empire. He was a fierce ruler. He did uh, immediately smash revolts in Egypt and Babylon that had begun the year before he ascended his throne. Um, now, as we open the book of Esther, uh, King, we'll just call him King Xerxes. It's much easier for me to pronounce. He's married to Queen Vashti. She is a princess from one of the Persian provinces, and she likely married King Xerxes for political purposes. And uh, Queen Vashti is, is uh, known for her beauty. And so the book of Esther opens in the final week of a huge six-month-long celebration in the capital city of Susa. This is a celebration thrown by King Xerxes for all 127 provinces of Persia. So everybody's been invited, not just the nobles and the officials, but all of the commoners as well. Anyone who wants to come is able to come. Uh, now, Queen Vashti is giving a more private party just for the women of the palace in, a, in another location. And we see on the seventh day, the very last day of the celebrations, uh, the Bible describes the king as being full of wine. And so he commands his eunuchs to go and bring Queen Vashti before him. And he very specifically wants her to be wearing her crown, her royal crown. And he wants to show everyone how beautiful his queen is. Well, as it turns out, Queen Vashti refuses to come before the king. Um, a number of different reasons have, have are debated as to why she refuses. We did discuss that in last week's show, so you can go back and, and get a few of the information around that from last week's show. But the bottom line is she ultimately refuses the king's request outright and doesn't really give him any wiggle room uh, to avoid embarrassment on this last day of this really important feast. And so the Bible says that King Xerxes becomes furious and his anger burns within him in Esther 1.12. And so ultimately he removes Vashti as queen. He basically says, she's not going to appear before me now. She will never appear in the king's presence again. And, um, and now, he, so he banishes Vashti. Some uh, Bible commentaries say that she is not banished, but she is killed. We don't explicitly have that information. We just know that uh, Vashti is, is removed as queen. And so we look at this and say, okay, is this a good decision? Or is it a bad decision? So the Bible gives us a little bit more insight. It says that when King Xerxes' rage cooled down, he remembered Vashti and what had been decided against her. And now his sadness must have been really apparent to those around him because Scripture tells us that even his very personal attendants were quick to begin trying to fix things for the queen. And But his, his decision against Vashti could not be undone. Um, they simply... Uh, had to find him another queen as beautiful as Vashti uh, because the king could not, well, they wanted to find him another queen as beautiful as Vashti so, the, so that the king would stop remembering his former queen. And so it's really clear that the king regrets the decision that he made while he was, remember this, under the influence of wine and angry. Uh, so, friends, there are two times in our life when we should never make a decision because they will invariably bad, be bad decision. And, and 
Carol, um, Evelyn and Carrie, I have a question for you. Those two decisions, those two times when we should may- never make a decision, that is when we've been drinking or are under the influence of any mood, mood altering substance or when we are angry, right? Mm-hmm. And so, Carrie, Evelyn, I know, I know the Bible says that wine in itself is not bad, right? I mean, it says that drunkenness is what dishonors God. Um, but we do know that anger, he, God says that, um, in James 19:20 it says my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires so i have a question for you evelyn and okay. carrie have either of you like king xerxes ever made a decision when either you were not sober minded or you were just outright burning with anger and you regretted it after you made it when you could think clearly again well, I don't know that I was burning with anger, but I was uh, entangled by it. And uh, it was, uh, Van and I were married um, while he was in the Navy, and I moved to San Diego uh, to be with him. And we went looking for a house or an apartment. And in the yard of 99% of them, they have a sign that said, no dogs, no Navy. No dogs, no Oh, Navy. wow. Mm. And so it was really tough for us. So we ended up uh, going to an agency that where um, lieutenant wives were looking for people to come and move in with her while her husband. This was during the Korean War. And so we did that two different times because we could not rent a mm. house. And finally one day, we and we kept praying about it. Van was had a permanent station at Colorado, at Coronado. Uh, and he was in distribution of money, and, you know, it was really a high, scary position that he had, I thought. He didn't think it was. <laughs> but we kept looking, and finally we we, we drove one day by uh, a, new, uh, a new development, and there was a house, two or three um, apartments going up, and Van said, I'm going to stop and see who's building that. He did, and the guy, he told the guy, he said, uh, you know, what are you, when are you going to be open and how do you get, a, you know, a, an apartment and all the questions that you, a, man, a man has. And the guy said, you, you know, Van said, I want to tell you up front, I'm Navy. And he said, well, you know, the guy that owns this land's Navy. And so we, we went through a period of three and a half years that I could not tell to anybody that Van was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. We lived that day after day after day. And uh, it, when it finally came to the point that we could tell them, uh, I didn't want to tell them. How do you tell some of your best friends that ask, you know, in the groups that I worked in, that say, what does your husband do? And I said, oh, he goes to school. He's in school. Wow. And so, you know, I look back on that and uh, I think, what if we had got a, a group behind us and really marched for for God's people, you know, especially for those that that were shut out. Uh, but when I look back now and think about it, I learned a lot in that three and a half years uh, because it um, had to be very careful because of Van's position and very careful. And I had a wonderful job. Just, I mean, it just paid everything I needed. And so I look back on that at times and think, what? Why did I not trust Jesus? Why did we not get us a tent and get on the corner? <laughs> but it, it made an impact on my life that I will never forget. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we all tell little stories. But that was a major thing that lasted three and a half years. Were you angry that you couldn't tell that yes. Ben was in the I was Navy? disappointed and hurt mm-hmm. and wounded. I think the word wounded is more, you know, here, well, you know, San Diego is military. You know, it's right across from Coronado, which is the biggest naval base in in the nation. Uh, it hurt. Uh, the, we had a few we, the friends we had that were from the uh, from the Navy, Vance buddies. Uh, that's how we socialized with. But for our church, we didn't tell any, tell anybody anything about what we did. Wow. We just showed up on Sunday. Such an and interesting you know, that, time. That just robs you mm-hmm. of what God wants to do in a time of need. And we had a great. But we were young. We, we just said, "Well, we'll just fix this, and you know, we'll do this and do that." But it's never left my heart. You know, through the years, I've often thought about that. And, you know, all of the people that we, uh, we've outlived all of them. Mm. Of course you have. You know, it's an amazing thing. (laughs) Well, friends, when we come back, we'll talk more about these two, um, you know, emotions and two actions that can really get us in trouble. Uh, You know, making decisions when we are under the influence of a substance or when we are angry about something. When we return to Love Talk, defining decisions right after this. And welcome back, friends. This is Kathy Endebrock, and today we are Love Talking about defining decisions. In studio, our coach Carrie Brinkader and the beautiful Miss Evelyn Davison <laughs> here on The Bridge 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I know some of our friends are live streaming with us on thebridgeaustin.com. We're just so glad to have you with us today. It's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas, and around the world. So much is happening. Friends, perhaps you are in the position you are for such a time as this. This is what we're talking about today in Esther. And when we went out, we were looking at King Xerxes the first and how he made decisions And, you know, he kind of made a really bad decision at the very opening of this book in Esther. And it was because he made a decision when he was under the influence of a mood-altering substance. That would be wine in his day. And he was angry. Friends, have you made a decision when you're angry? Maybe have you made a decision when you haven't been sober-minded? Or are there people who are trying to convince you to make a decision because you're so angry about something mm. that you just need to make that decision to to resolve your anger. We need to make decisions not out of anger, and we need to make decisions when we're sober-minded. Carrie, I'm really excited and interested to get your thoughts on this. Well, I, <clears throat> I love how you just put this so plainly, Kathy. There's two times in life that we should never be making decisions. It's when our mind is altered by some type of substance or when we're angry and mm-hmm. or when we're angry. Or disappointed I, greatly. Absolutely. And a mm-hmm. lot of times alcohol, you know, it is a depressant, right? And people have this kind of misconception, you know, of this jovialness that mm-hmm. happens whenever you drink alcohol, which, which may be true for some. But for some, it, it is such a mind-altering substance, such a depressant, that it, it, it causes anger. Um, for me, the worst decisions in my life 
have been made when I have been drinking alcohol and or when I have been angry. Now, let me let me clarify that when I have drank alcohol to excess or when I have been angry. And those are I mean, looking back and we could do a whole show on my mistakes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thanks, Miss Evelyn. Um, We won't go into that today, but I I will just caution um, caution, you know, just put a, a note of caution here that that it. Those are a deadly combination, and they can destroy lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blessed enough to be able to sub in my son's class earlier this week, and they're reading the book of Farewell to Arms. And that book, is it's, um, it's got some risque moments in it. Uh, and uh, there's an affair. There's a child out of wedlock. There's lots of drinking. There's bad decisions made while drinking. And, um, you know, at Grace Academy, what they do is they pull all that back into Scripture. And some of the Scripture that we read um, earlier this week about alcohol, Psalm 104, 14 through 15, the Lord makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. That was a way to talk to the kids about, you know what, wine in and of itself is not a bad thing, but here's where it gets dangerous. First Peter 5.8, we are called to be sober-minded. Mm-hmm. The enemy looks for any opportunity to harm us, and he will take the opportunity when we are not in our right mind due to alcohol or other substances. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There are so many scriptures, Miss Evelyn, about... Uh, being careful not to drink wine, not to drink alcohol to excess, and the dangers of that. And maybe you're right. Maybe we do need to do a show on um, on my bad decisions um, that have that that have caused me great pain um, when I was younger from alcohol and and being angry. Um, terrible combination. And it's pretty simple, Kathy, the way you put it. These are two times in our lives we should never make decisions. Um, and major decisions. Major decisions. Never make major decisions. And there were times in my life that I made major decisions when I had been drinking alcohol or when I was angry. And they have not led to positive things in my life. So, you know, King Xerxes, he made a terrible decision or he made a rash decision. I don't know if it was terrible. I mean, that's I guess neither here nor there, but he ousted his queen when he was drunk and when he was angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it says in the scripture that he was very distraught after he had sobered up. So he had to find a new queen. And here comes this beautiful woman. And her name is Esther. Here's her background. So King Xerxes' advisors, they suggested that they round up all the beautiful young women in the kingdom so that King Xerxes could select a new queen. So the young women gather at the king's gate, hoping to be selected as queen. But Esther, she was basically forcibly removed from her home because she was an eligible virgin, probably somewhere in the ages of 14 to 16. Mm-hmm. And she really had no desire to be queen. Uh, she had, she was an orphan. Her parents died, and she was raised by her uncle, Mordecai, and he adopted her. And it says in the scripture that she obeyed Mordecai's orders as she always had while he raised her. I love that verse. That's Esther 2, 20. 
So, you know, it, the scripture also tells us that Esther, I, I love how the Bible does not mince words, Miss Evelyn, right? It talks about drunkenness. It talks about affairs. It talks about killing people. It talks about all these bad decisions mm-hmm. that people made and how that affected their lives, right? And it and it just doesn't mince words. And here's how it describes Esther's. She had a beautiful figure and was extremely good looking. Thank you for telling us that. I mean, it's awesome. And the power to be wanted. Right? The good with the bad. I mean, the Bible, it's just a, it's a glorious, glorious use of, of words to describe uh, this beautiful woman. So here's what Mordecai tells her. He says, look, Esther, you're a foreigner in this land, okay? You are a Hebrew living among Persians. When you go in there, do not tell anyone that you are a Jew. Because there is Mm -hmm. someone in the kingdom that hates Jews. So Mordecai gave her very sound advice, and she obeyed that. It's interesting to note that one of the key things we learn about Esther is her obedience. Over and over again, Scripture makes a point of placing Esther's obedience in direct contrast to Vashti's disobedience. That or Vashti. Vashti, you know, she embarrassed her king. However, Esther's obedience is not mindless. It is not weak-willed. And that is very important to understand, Miss Evelyn and listeners, because this, this woman... Because she had been raised by an uncle who mentored her apparently very, very well, you know, she was able to process things in a way that I think was very mature for her age. Absolutely. Right? And and it wasn't just this mindless obedience. It was obedience with thought. Um, we see throughout this historical account um, that Esther is mindful, respectful, and has a caring obedience. So, Miss Evelyn, why is obedience so important in decision-making? Well, we learn it as children for safety, mm. you know, uh, in the in the arena of um, being uh, truthful and uh, calm and uh, really uh, developed in the, into the the way of life that our family has. Um, it it's not uh, critical that we become like our parents. Uh, but we should certainly come to that point that when we make decisions, those decisions uh, should be made when we are sober and not under the influence of anything. Mm-hmm. But the main thing about making decisions is prayer. Mm. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is where I am. Three and a half years I did that every day. Lord, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, Lord. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. No message. But, you know, the Lord does have a way of speaking to us. He speaks to us through our emotions, through our mind, to our knowledge of him. And when we have a, a, a time in our life when we're confused and don't know what to do or how to go or who to, who to trust, the first thing on the list is to go to the Lord Jesus and ask him to provide the answers to these questions. And so, you know, that means we're going to try in a nation like we're in right now and with a uh, a war, world war going on, we have got to come to the understanding that God speaks to our hearts and what's on TV is not necessarily truth. 
I I really mm. like how you put that, Miss Evelyn. A word war, Kathy. We've got a couple of minutes before the break. Uh, continue yeah. telling us about this amazing I, woman, Esther. Okay, well, this is what stands out for me with Esther is that at the palace. She didn't sulk. I mean, remember, she didn't want to be queen. Mm -hmm. She got forcibly removed from her uncle's home. But when she was in the palace and she's like, okay, I'm doing this. She didn't carry on like a victim whose life had been ruined. Mm -hmm. Uh, She didn't become bitter or act ugly towards everyone at the palace. Scripture actually says that she found favor with others. Esther responded with grace and dignity in circumstances that she did not choose or want. And, you know, one person in particular who really appreciated Esther's positive approach was Haggai. He was the king's eunuch. And in Esther verse two, uh, chapter two, verse nine, she, it actually says that she found such favor with Haggai that he gave her seven personal attendants, her own room in the palace, and accelerated her beauty treatments, which were supposed <laughs> to last for about a year. And so Haggai basically moved Esther to the front of the line. Mm -hmm. He wanted to get Esther in front of the king as soon as possible. And so I think this is really a key, a key point for us here that when we are making big decisions, Mm -hmm. our very first decision has got to be to stay positive because bad attitudes make for bad decisions. The decision may be a hard one. We may be in circumstances we don't want to be in. But deciding to have a positive attitude brings instant light into dark places. And Carrie, I know, I know that you will have a story about this to share as a coach. And you know, when you're in a game and everything is going bad and the team is falling apart and you're up against a tough defense and your offense can't seem to break through to get to the basket, the game seems lost. How do you remain positive? I really want to hear from you. I know that we have to go to a break, friends. We're at the end of our third segment. I cannot believe it. We're going to hear from our amazing sponsors. Friends, stay with us. We're going to hear from Coach Kerry about how to remain positive amidst difficult circumstances when we get back right after this. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Love Talk. I'm just going to get straight into it. Queen Esther, she is just an amazing, amazing figure that we see here in the book of Esther. And when we, before we went out to break, Kathy's asking me this question, you know, coach, when, when things are going bad, when things are falling apart, when, when we just can't seem to get it going in the right direction, you know, how do you remain positive? And I think over the years, you know, the Lord has blessed me with this kind of positive attitude. Every Before every game, I might be in the back of my head thinking, oh, my stars, we're about to get smashed. But I always have this positive outlook with my team. Um, the times that I've seen it, things, seen things go vastly wrong are just like you said, Kathy, when someone has a bad attitude. One person with a bad attitude can really spoil the whole mm. bunch. And just turning that attitude around, um, figuring out a way to find the positive in things is, is really a gift, an absolute gift. And so, you know, I, I find a way to give high fives, to look at the positive. Okay, ladies, we're not scoring, but our defense looks great. You know, the ball's going to go in the basket, whatever it may be. But there are definitely times when I want to go to the negative. But in coaching, I feel like the Lord has, has blessed me in a way that I can 
can try to find the positive in most situations. <laughs> and so that's been a gift. And if I have had a player that's had just a raunchy, bad attitude, um, we are trying to find a way to turn that thing around. Because as Esther, you know, she walked into that palace, she didn't sulk, she didn't become a victim, and she made friends along the way. And we're going to see her friend Haggai really play a major role. Um, so after a year of preparation, so Esther's been in the palace now a year. I can't imagine all of these women in this palace for a year. And she's been going through all of these beauty treatments. And now the, the women are given one evening with the king. And when they're given their evening with the king, um, Esther is allowed to take with her anything of her choosing from the king's treasury. And so I'm sure most of the women were taking, you know, golds and riches and jewels and, and you know, very expensive items. But Esther, in her wisdom, she asked for advice from her trusted advisor, Haggai. Haggai. And I just think that is beautiful. That is what she wanted to take with her was this advice. And, you know, so she goes into this meeting with this advice, and King Xerxes selects Esther as queen. King Xerxes is taken by Esther, and he, you know, she's just this common girl, a young orphan, a foreigner. He doesn't know all that, but she becomes the queen over all of Persia, and yet she does not let this go to her head. We see some the same gracious Queen Esther as we see in the common woman Esther. So, Kathy, hello, Queen Esther. What can we learn from <laughs> Esther's rise to this position that can help us in our decision-making? How can well, Esther I'm gonna... teach us to become a queen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. We want to become a queen. How do we become a queen? Well, I'm going to touch on two points here, and we've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on them briefly because we we covered them in last week's program. So this is a reminder, friends, um, that Esther did not seek to be queen, yet God moved her to that position. And so as we are making decisions... We need to remember, do not seek power in decision-making because, friends, if God has it for you, he will move you to it. Carrie, I could absolutely guarantee that if God had set you aside to be queen for such a time as this, you'd probably be living in, in, in England right now, and there'd be, there'd be a prince. A, well, I guess both princes are married, <laughs> but God would have a way to do it. I'm telling you, he will move you to whatever position he wants you to move to if you are willing and if you are obedient. And here's a second lesson with Esther. Remember, friends, she went into this palace and she didn't sulk and, and, and she did not give way to fear. And so here's the other lesson. Do not let the fear of power keep you from making the right decision. Mm -hmm. Don't be don't don't be afraid to step up into a role that you think might be too big for you. Don't be afraid to step up into a role because you think, oh, I'm just not equipped for that yet. Do not be afraid 
of, of power. Don't let that uh, keep you from making the right decision and don't seek power in decision making. And friends, there is another key thing that we really have to learn from Esther because it's a matter of life and death. It was a matter of life and death mm-hmm. for Esther. It can be a matter of life and death for us as well. And there's life, life at the palace after Esther is crowned king, queen. It, it takes a very harsh turn. There is somebody in the palace who hates the Jews. His name is Haman, and he is a very high advisor to the king. And um, Carrie, can you take us through that? Oh, man. Haman, Haman, Haman. He is one of the king's most trusted advisors. He has great power, and, and he does. He hates the Jewish people. But he has this lust for power, and he's sneaky. He's a schemer. He's deceitful. And so he schemes and deceives in his pursuit of power, revenge, and status. He arranges a palace protocol so that everyone is required to bow to him. Mordecai, Esther's uncle, absolutely refuses to bow to Haman. Now remember, this is Mordecai, the very wise man who has raised Esther and has, and has raised her in a way to be uh, thoughtful in her decision making. So you can guarantee that Mordecai was very thoughtful in this decision to not bow to Haman. And of course, this infuriates Haman. So Haman deceives the king and secures the king's approval to annihilate the whole nation of Israel because he knows that Mordecai is a Jew. He does not know that Esther is a Jew. And so every Jew throughout the Medo-Persian Empire would be destroyed and their wealth would, would be confiscated. An edict with the king's, king's seal. Now, you know that's, that's the be-all, end-all, is the king's seal is sent out and it cannot be revoked. Esther's people have three months before they are all to die by the sword. Mm. But here's the twist. Obviously, Haman does not know that Queen Esther is a Jew, and no one in the palace knows, not even the king. So what happens, Kathy? Okay, so this is fantastic. Mordecai comes to Esther, and he says, you have got to approach the king. You have got to ask him to save our people. And Esther says, no way, I can't do that. I haven't even been summoned to see the king in 30 days. And if you appear before the king unsummoned, it's an instant death sentence. Like, there's no question. If the king has not asked you to come and you come anyway, then off with your head. That's it. You are done. And so Esther is terrified, but Mordecai tells her, Just like our opening verse, who knows, Esther, but that you have been put into your position for such a time as this. Mordecai says, look, if if you don't act, God will bring deliverance for our people from another source, but you will perish. And and Esther says, "Okay, all right. I I trust what Mordecai says. I've obeyed Mordecai in the past. It has helped me every day of my life. I'm going to press in and I'm going to spend time in prayer. And Esther says to Mordecai, tell all of the people in Susa, all of the Jews throughout the Persian Empire to pray and fast with me for three days. I will pray and fast. They are to pray and fast. And after three days, I will go before the king. And if I die, I die. And so she does this. It's a brilliant story, friends. You have got to read it. At the end of the three days, she puts on her royal robes. 
she goes to the king uninvited and here's what happens he extends the royal scepter this is the only way to save the queen's life he extends the royal scepter sparing her life and he is so touched that he has come, that she has come to see him and so concerned he offers her up to half of the kingdom whatever she wants he says will be given to her and in a series of three separate banquets Esther approaches the king reveals her true identity as a Jewess exposes Haman as uh, one who wants to kill all of the Jews and asks for the king's help. And it's just an amazing turn of events, friends. You want to read the book of Esther to find out how this happens. But this is the decision-making insight that we want, is that we never want to let the fear of man keep us from making the right decision. Esther didn't. We need to not do it. We need to not fear what others will think. We need to not fear what others will do. And now, Carrie, Evelyn, so are the Jews spared? Does the king step in? Absolutely, he does. <laughs> he spares all of the Jews, and he is none too pleased with Haman. And he orders Haman to be hung in a very public setting because he 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 just can't get over that Haman had deceived him in mm-hmm. such a horrible way and uh he obviously he spares his wife and the rest of the Jews Jewish nation well you know we're so like that in America today ladies uh we there are some things God's called us to as women one is that we will pray and we will stay don't let this stuff that comes on television determine how you're going to live your life in your family. Uh, As we go into this election season, uh, Kathy, it is absolutely essential for us to be informed and committed to the love of the Lord Jesus and the the manner in which he deals with us and to spend time praying and seeking him. You know, I... I don't want to gloss over the fact that Esther prayed and fasted for three days. She prayed as if her life depended on it because it did. Her life depended on this decision. Will she honor her God and risk death or will she just sweep it under the rug and not save these people? And she sought God's wisdom she sought Mordecai's wisdom she really you know just she called all of her handmaidens to pray and fast for three days all of those around her this is a big decision and she goes about it the right way you know we we should not take our decision making lightly there's so much that we've talked about today friends you know we've we've talked about that you know there's two times in our life we should never make decisions when we're under the influence of a substance, when we're angry. And then there's times in life that we've just got to understand that, you know, decision-making is hard. And we've got to get on our knees and go to the Lord and seek his help and seek his advice. You know, we're not looking for power in that decision-making. If the Lord wants us to put us someplace, he's going to put us there. And don't be afraid to step in that role because he will equip us. When he has called us, he will equip us. Don't let the fear of man keep us from making 
the right decision. The fear of what others think. So what? The fear of what others will do. Pray about it and seek God's guidance. Friends, thank you so much. Go to Esther. Finish this book. It'll take you maybe 30 minutes to read through this book of Esther. We so love you here on Love Talk. For Miss Evelyn Davison and Kathy Enderbrock, I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader. We'll see you next time on Love Talk.